Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Home Alone to Love Actually, Hollywood Christmas movies are as much a part of the festivities as Santa Claus and Christmas trees. There's nothing quite like watching your favorite seasonal film to get you in the spirit. But what makes them so watchable? In this episode, we unpick some of our favorite festive treats as we find out how to make a Hollywood Christmas movie. Welcome to America, a history podcast. I'm Liam Heffernan, and every week we answer a different question to understand the people, the places, and the events that make the USA what it is today. Returning from the faculty this week is Thomas Smith, Professor of American Literature and Culture and Deputy Director of Area Studies at the University of East Anglia. Welcome back, Tom. Hello, great to be back. Yep, good to have you as always. And also joining us from the faculty today is John Mitchell, an Associate Professor of American Studies at the University of East Anglia. He's interested in late 20th century US culture with a particular interest in the representation of gender and sexuality. Uh, John, I had the pleasure of talking to you about Forrest Gump a a few months back now. Uh, Welcome back. And thanks for having me back. Yeah, and uh, a slight pivot from Forrest Gump to Christmas movies, but uh, yeah, looking forward to this one. I I, I mean, what are your thoughts generally on Christmas? Are you kind of mad for it or is it a bit of a kind of forced festive cheer? No, I mean, I've always, I've always loved Christmas. Um, I've always loved it because kind of you have Christmas and then you have New Year's and then you actually have my birthday at the end of it. So it's always been kind of like a, a triple celebration for me. Um, so I love when it comes, I get very, very excited, but I am glad when it's over. So I'm not one of these people who would want Christmas every day or like some of these people who eat Christmas dinner every, you know, every day or every week. You know, once it's done, I'm happy for it you know, to be gone. Quick, quick side question for you, though. Um, If your birthday comes that soon after Christmas, uh, do you find that people try and like cheekily double up on presents and uh, get away with just one? No, because it comes far enough away. So it's it's um, January the 6th. So it kind of falls Ah, a couple of weeks away from Christmas. So that's definitely outside the window of tolerance, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's definitely a different different time. So, yeah, Yeah. I I demand, you know, more presents. (laughs) And uh, Tom, what about you? Yes, I think um, traditionally I've been in the uh, the official camp of Christmas crazy. Mm-hmm. I've published published two books on Christmas now, so I think that gives me um, authenticating Christmas fandom credentials. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yes, uh, maximal, I guess, in terms of um, decoration and uh, celebration. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll, of course, link to your books in the show notes. Uh, nice little plug there. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Thank you. And... <laughs> Let's, let's let's just dive in. Obviously, we're talking about Hollywood Christmas movies. Um, I don't know how much of a blueprint we're actually going to give anyone as to how to make a Hollywood Christmas movie, but we're <laughs> going to talk about them anyway. So first of all, full disclosure, favourite Christmas movie and why? Uh, who wants to go first? 
Okay, I, I, I mean, I'll go first. Um, if you want a uh, favorite Christmas movie, I mean, it's so many to choose from that as soon as I'll say one, I'll think, oh, no, it's actually something else. Um, so I suppose, you know, kind of, you know, if you put again to my head and insisted I tell you, then probably it would be The Muppets Christmas Carol because it's both a great story mm. and it's got the Muppets in with the kind of that slight irreverence that they bring to, to everything. And mm. it's just a kind of joy. It's got songs, you know, it's got... You just got Michael Caine uh, as well, who I believe was advised by uh, John Gielgud to always play the same part and, if possible, wear the same suit in everything, <laughs> every film you're in. So, um, and he, he brings, you know, kind of to it, kind of his inimitable kind of deadpan kind of British humour. So, um, yeah, so definitely Muppets Christmas Carol. But now I want to say, oh, but there's also Elf, you know, there's also, you know, Scrooge, there's also mm. the Gremlins, of course, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? I think that A Christmas Carol has become somewhat of a sub-genre of Christmas movies with the amount of adaptations there are. But A Muppet's Christmas Carol, right up there. Uh, I love it. Yeah, great choice. Tom? Yeah, I think that would have been my second choice. Because, uh, you know, as a, as a 19th century text, and as you say, one that, um, that, you, that you can't avoid at Christmas time, I think definitely has its own category. Um, however, I'm going to say um, Home Alone. Um, which is a pure a pure nostalgia choice uh, because I, I I saw it in the cinema with my dad in the late 1980s and um, I've now watched it repeatedly with my own kids um, and I think if I, I think if I had to um, sit down and watch a Christmas film it would uh, it would be Home Alone as as a first choice yeah it's a classic and also the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time I believe oh, there you go you see yeah. Oh, that was my Alexa. Um, <laughs> probably, probably some sort of package that we're ordered for Christmas on its on its way. Uh, kind of ruins the magic a bit. It's not Santa Claus. It's Amazon. Uh, but yeah, um, I guess I, I'm with you on Home Alone and Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. We have a bit of a tradition in our house where we on Christmas Eve will wrap our presents, get something nice in for dinner, and watch Love Actually. Um, oh. It's become a bit of a bit of a yeah. staple in our house, um, <laughs> and yeah, we love it. But the more I'm, I, I sort of become a family man, the the more <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation um, uh, becomes <laughs> increasingly part of my habitual Christmas viewing. Um, so I do love that film. Um, we but... we watched Love Actually with uh, with our kids last year, and it's just a slight public public warning: don't watch it with your kids because you forget <laughs> that it is wildly inappropriate in, in a whole host of ways. Actually, so. Maybe, maybe save that one. <laughs> yeah, it's for. I mean, I, I think Love Actually is actually a great rom com, and um, I, I, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll come on to this um, further on, but it kind of epitomizes what I think makes a, a watchable and I guess a rewatchable Christmas film is that it's not really about Christmas; it's just mm. set at Christmas. Um, mm. And I also have that feeling about Home Alone. We'll come <laughs> on to that, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you know it's it's interesting that the the sort of the, the films that we've already thrown up because um, it kind of it it we we've picked very I guess traditional very popular films uh, mm -hmm. and I think that says a lot about the sort of films that we gravitate towards around the holidays. Uh, I don't think we really look for stuff that's particularly challenging or you know Oscar worthy uh, when it comes to Christmas <laughs> films. We want something that maybe makes us feel good. But I wonder where that comes from, and I'm in no place to talk about that. So Tom, as the as the author and Christmas expert in the room, um, what's, what is the history of this? Yeah, 
Well, it goes pretty deep, actually, uh, unsurprisingly. So I, I think the first Christmas film dates from 1898, and it's uh, in a pleasingly kind of transatlantic hybrid mashup. It's a British Christmas film, um, and it's called Santa Claus. And, you know, we haven't got time for the history of uh, Father Christmas versus Santa Claus today, but um, it's kind of interesting. So it only lasts a couple of minutes, and it's literally about a visit from, from Father Christmas. Um, so I think, you know, right at the beginning of the uh, the film industry, we can see people having a sense that 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 that, that, that this is a good a good meeting of worlds, you know, um, that there's going to be interest in in Christmas moving pictures at at Christmas time. But I suppose we should also appreciate that um, we're coming out of uh, the 19th century, which is a culture that's com- that's really saturated in in Christmas print culture by the late 19th century. You know, every every December, magazines and newspapers full of Christmas stories um, and have been for decades at that point. So it's unsurprising, really, that, that there is an immediate move to make a, a Christmas movie at the beginning of, 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 the, of the movie industry. And you can see as well that um, adaptation, unsurprisingly, is also uh, immediately popular. So the first version of Christmas Carol, of, of the, uh, the scores of, of Christmas Carol versions, is from 1901. And I think it's, so it's called Scrooge or Marley's Ghost. And it's just a, a short section from the book where um, where Marley appears, as you can imagine. And Night Before Christmas, or you know, A Visit from St. Nicholas, to give it its proper proper title, that gets adapted in 1905. So so you can see the crossover from, from 19th century print culture into, into Christmas movies immediately, really. Uh, I, I think, though, if you look at the, the, the run of Christmas movies, it's, it's that period around World War II where I think that relationship really gets enshrined. Because in, in, in the span of about five years, you get Holiday Inn, which of course gives us White Christmas. You have Meet Me in St. Louis, which gives us Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Miracle on 34th Street, and It's a Wonderful Life. So that's from you know, 1942 to 1947. Uh, and really those, those are like the kind of building blocks of, of, of what we think of as, as Christmas movies, I guess. Like, you know, the heavy hitters still, still watch today, still ranked high on any list of best Christmas movies of all time. So I think it's that Second World War period that really seems to, um, to, to really cement the relationship between Christmas, Christmas movies, watching a Christmas movie as a defining element of Christmas. It seems to go slightly more moribund, unsurprisingly, in the 60s and 70s. I mean, I, I can't think of uh, a kind of iconic Christmas film from that from those from those decades. Possibly, uh, you know, in cultural terms, I guess it's not necessarily a um, an environment where that kind of Christmas spirit is is is, <laughs> is is profoundly felt. But I suppose you probably get you know a number of TV specials from that period as well, like Snoopy's Christmas Special, Charlie Brown's Christmas. The infamous but, Star Wars Christmas special as well. Ah, which, well there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Wars, I was just about to say the Star Wars Christmas special. Is that, is that the 70s or is that 80s Star Wars Christmas special? I remember. Oh, yeah, I think it was yeah. It was around like 1980, wasn't it, ish? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I think you have as well. I mean, Hannah Barbera do a mm. couple of Christmas specials around yeah. Yogi Bear. They do, I think they do a version of The Grinch with a kind of a grumpy old man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I suppose I'm you're dragging it from my memory. Yeah, you've got Rudolph, you've got Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. Him. But in terms of big box office movies, I think I think it is the '80s where things start to, um, to to pick up again. That might be just generational nostalgia on my part, um, but it feels like that's a period in which you get again a kind of swathe of either Christmas films or peripherally Christmas films like Set at Christmas. Um, so you've got Trading Places, you've got Christmas Story, which I think is more iconic in American terms than in British terms, but certainly is you know, has a massive fandom. Rocky Four set on Christmas Day. <laughs> 
Um, got, um, the Santa Claus. When's yeah, Santa, Santa Claus, Claus the movie mm, that comes out? Santa Claus the movie is a big one. Yeah, I remember that one really yeah. being a massive, massive hit. And yeah, Home Alone 1990, Die Hard 1990. Although, you know, we'll get on to whether or not that one uh, should count as a canonical <laughs> Christmas movie. Um, and, and then I think, you know, I think that's that's probably the period that, that re- re-establishes the, uh, the Christmas blockbuster to some extent. And uh, my expertise runs out very much at the end of the 20th century. So, <laughs> that's, yeah, so that's... Know, uh, if we have any opinions on the 21st century from there on. I mean, that was a pretty comprehensive overview uh, up to that point. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's the point that we start to stray into this sort of flurry of like Christmas movies, uh, slightly cheaper, mass produced content, uh, the hallmark sort of era, uh, as it were. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I suppose you do have the, I mean, the Grinches in there in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. The remake of A Miracle on 34th Street is—is mm-hmm. is it late nineties? Yeah, mid nineties. Mid nineties, and and then of course you have you know, Jim Carrey's animated Scrooge. We have an animated yeah. Grinch. So mm. just know, just for the record, I think that um, Jim Carrey two thousand uh, version of the Grinch is, I think, one of my least favorite films of all time. <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's just like the, it's, it's, it's like noise and visual torture. <laughs> that's uh, so you know I, having said i'm a christmas crazy i obviously have some limits because because um, that one i think is 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 a repellent <laughs> a repellent film on every level if you haven't yet seen the benedict cumberbatch version of the grinch released by illumination who did minions and despicable me um if you haven't seen that from a few years ago i would recommend it because that is very yeah. good right but that one yeah, I, I, haven't, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that one but i i'm go- i am going to defend the jim carrey's the grinch <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a lot of fun and i think he has some great lines in it okay um particularly when he's going to the, the telephone directory saying hate 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 it's it's just jim carrey being very jim carrey isn't it really yeah. I, I mean yeah but so it, it teaches it teaches on the edge of room 101 but i think i'd like to say it yeah so yeah. if, if uh, i mean i mean you mentioned hallmark so I th- maybe it's worth just kind of um penciling that one in now as well because I, I mean I do think that's a really interesting contemporary phenomenon because I, I think I think we it's probably I, th- I think it's from around 2006 that we date that the, the hallmark Christmas resurgence uh, and even in 2009 I think they only programmed about nine Christmas films that year but you know over the last few years hallmark has been producing 40 Christmas films per year and it is tr- I, you know really a cultural phenomenon I think they get around 90 million viewers across the period it's the number one channel amongst um women uh, full stop across the, you know the the autumn and winter months hundreds of million dollars in ad revenue at this point so so i think you know that we, the, we if we think about christmas movies the hallmark movie really is um the the, tw- the, the defining 21st century expression of that and i think i think there's another survey that that said around 60% of americans will watch a christmas movie of some sort um, over the Christmas period, which is really quite a, a unifying cultural force still. In a, in a culture where I think we, we probably have fewer um, unifying cultural phenomena. So, you know, there's, it, it's really a, a, a compelling live issue in, in American culture and world culture. And yeah, I, th- I think Hallmark's a really interesting expression of that. It is, and, and I'm just sort of curious because it's, people might like, you know, sci-fi films, but it doesn't mean they're going to watch, mm. you know, some low-budget monstrosity of a sci-fi movie on a cable channel but people who love christmas and love christmas films 
probably will watch the occasional Hallmark movie. So there must be some sort of unifying criteria um, between those movies and the big Hollywood ones that we love that kind of ties that all together. Mm-hmm. But the Hallmark ones are incredibly safe. They're like like kind of romance novels. You know, they, mm. they have a formula. They repeat. I think one of the things, you know, particularly when you're part of a bigger family at Christmas, is that you're busy. So they're also, you don't need to sit and watch them. You know, you, you can tap into them because it's the same story. So you, you don't have to pay too much attention to them either. So you can have a busy household or be busy doing something else. And, you know, and, you know the, I suppose their safety is, is, is part of their charm. Uh, also part of their problematic because they do tend to be, you know, terribly white, terribly middle class, you know, terribly heterosexual. Well, I, know, I, think, so. I think they've done good work on that over the last yeah, few years. They have, yeah, they have. Yeah. And, and to the to the degree that other Christmas channels have emerged that have positioned themselves, if we're talking politically, kind of to the right of Hallmark, uh, and mm-hmm. and have explicitly tried to position themselves in a way that makes it clear that they are not interested in diversity at Christmas time, no, yeah. <laughs> um, which you know doesn't seem very Christmassy. But um, yes, but I, 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 I will Hallmark will... upset all the, <laughs> the, the upset many of their customers a couple yeah. of years ago with um, single all the way with the kind of a gay Christmas yes. Hallmark yeah. movie, and I think lots of people got very upset by that. So yeah, yeah. but, but no, yeah, I, they, I, they have tried to improve that diversity. Yeah. You're right. I, I think they put that at the centre of, of of what they do a lot more over the last couple of years, and I. I I would say a word as well. I would, I would say, first of all, I think the Hallmark are really the, the heirs to the kind of Christmas literary tradition that I study in the 19th century. You know, they're the ones who are carrying that torch of um, of really programming Christmas heavily at Christmas, uh, in, during the winter months. Uh, and also, I think they, have, they, they share the same strengths as a lot of the Christmas literature from that period, which is an amazing in, inventiveness. You know, I'm going to give it to Hallmark. They're producing 40 films a year, which involve essentially the same ingredients and yet they still manage to to innovate within that space so I, I i think there's something fascinating about that constant ability to innovate with a very limited genre palette i think that's kind of yeah. fascinating when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply uh, just sort of being a bit cynical here um i mean <laughs> you've both kind of alluded to Surely you know um, <laughs> like tom you mentioned you know the the fact that it's you know hallmark is the most watched channel by by women in autumn and winter and you know john you you mentioned how you know there's a there's a a, a romantic element to a lot of these films is that the point is it they're not really christmas films they're they're romance films they're rom-coms they're 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 set at christmas to give it that little nostalgic edge but actually they're films made for explicitly made to appeal to women i i'm I'm not i'm not sure in some ways because you take the christmas element out and you lose i think you lose something and i think it's it is that kind of at the heart there's that kind of christmas carol sense of redemption yeah? yeah you go from usually from kind of loneliness to kind of unity with with the partner i think it is kind of obviously that kind of romantic sentimental aspect, mm. but there is that sense of betterment of improving things, which I think is part of the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the centrality of the family, you know, kind of and healing the family, which is kind of core to many Christmas movies. Yeah. So, um, so I think I, yeah. I see what you mean. It is a rom com, and you could have the same. You know, it's like 
what Wham's last Christmas was, I think was originally meant to be last summer. I think, you know, you can just change the terms, you know, uh, or, you know, as it's, it's, as it's parodied in Love Actually with the Christmas is all around us mm. kind of version of Love is all around. You know, you could do that film without, and take the Christmas out of it, but I don't know if it would be A, as popular or B, exactly the same kind of film. Mm. But that's my that's my take on it. Yeah. So that's in reply to your cynicism there. Yeah. And I think um, we might think of Hallmark as kind of innovating romance at Christmas time. But again, if you if you look back at Christmas stories from the 19th century, you know, it's amazing how many of them are framed around romance, around marriage plots um, at Christmas time. So I, so I think it, Christmas has always been a time for socialising. So I think that unsurprisingly is, you know, links to to romance. So I think there is that's embedded in in something to do with Christmas. And I think the best the best Christmas films, whether they're Hallmark or not, do more than just that backdrop thing that you talk about. And I think that's true of all, you know, Christmas literature as well. That that actually they do get into some of the nuts and bolts of the the, the meaning that we've 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 given to Christmas over the years. Um so I you know I I think you started by saying that Home Alone might not, you know, tick those boxes. You know that in a sense it is is just um, a, a, an action, a comedy action film set at Christmas time. But you know what's Home Alone about? It's about reuniting a family at Christmas time, which is a, you know a perennial, a perennial Christmas plot. You know, bringing back together mm. a, a dysfunctional family and finding redemption in that. Surprisingly religious. I mean, you know, obviously we've talked about Christmas. At no point have we talked about any any kind of theological associations um, yeah. with the season because of you know they don't feature heavily in in most Christmas films. But Home Alone has quite an interesting religious subplot. You know, Kevin goes mm. to church. Um, he finds kind of salvation in in church. So so I think you know you could say that Home Alone does more on that level than pretty much any other Christmas blockbuster you, you can think about. And it's about redemption because of course um, the uh, the the scary old neighbour across the road. He's a kind of he's a kind of Scrooge character, mm. and he gets his own redemption arc as well alongside Kevin's um, reuni reunification of his family. So you know, I'd say Home Alone ticks a lot of um, boxes when it comes to thinking about how it's a film that's playing around with the actual um, essence of Christmas, rather than just a film that's set at Christmas. Yeah, and I, I think I, sorry, can I just jump in there yeah, because I, I agree. I kind of agree with everything Tom just said, but I read Home Alone very, very differently. <laughs> yeah, I and, I and I read Home Alone as actually quite a a, a very deliberate use of the word, yeah, kind of a queer Christmas movie. Because it's about somebody who's abandoned by his family, who <laughs> creates a found creates a found family with the old guy who says kind of is, is being redeemed, yeah. who's also an outcast. So it's outcasts banding together. Most of the adults in it are kind of rubbish, you know. So <laughs> whilst whilst there, whilst there is redemption, you, you can see that the old man is a kind of a redemption recognition arc. There. It's very kind of minor. But if you compare Kevin to say Charlie in Tim Allen's The Santa Claus, you know his sole purpose is to redeem his father and, and to heal the rift between his divorced parents. Whereas I don't know, I don't know if kind of Kevin does actually redeem his family. They're pretty nasty at <laughs> nasty at the end as they are kind of at the beginning in some ways. I mean we have at the yeah. end of it, it is it is a mainstream Christmas movie, so we have that sense of family re reunification. But I don't mm. think it's necessarily that comfortable comparative yeah. to other movies. And I think it's I think Chris Columbus who, who directed it is kind of behind that because obviously he also wrote the screenplay or for, for Gremlins. Yes. So he obviously has a sort of a slightly 
twisted or different view of, of, of Christmas. So whilst everything you say is, Tom, is very applicable to that movie, <laughs> but there's also, I think, an, a, a, an alternative reading that, yeah. you know, sees Kevin as kind of more kind of a, a queer figure, sort of abandoned by his family and uncomfortable with his family and the outcast of his family. So the Home Alone contains multitudes. Yeah, and, so and obviously he writes himself into the religion, doesn't he? he hides in the manger yeah. thing, so you yeah. kind of writes, and you're right, it does have that kind of uh, redemption arc through religion, uh, which I but think is nice. Let, let's not forget that that his family are quite useless because they did the exact same thing that the year, like <laughs> the next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree with you there. The adults are useless. Yeah, they're all pretty, pretty rotten. Why, why are they yeah. going away at Christmas to begin with, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I concede, you know, your your points around, you know, certainly the themes uh, within these films, they do tap into something that is um, a lot more poignant and a lot more powerful at Christmas. I think, though, narratively, when you look at the most successful Christmas films, fundamentally they're not about Christmas at all. The ones that I think fall a bit flat and feel a bit two-dimensional are the ones that that are explicitly about Christmas. But Home Alone, it's it's an abandonment story. It's it's mm. um, it's an action film, you know, certainly in the second half. I mean Die Hard will you know everyone has opinions on Die Hard, but that that is an action film. The elephant in the room is hovering over us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's but it, that could be set at any time of year. I would even go so far as to say jingle all the way. That could be set at a birthday, at any occasion where a present is necessary and a dad is trying to get that elusive present for his kid. That's maybe a little bit more tenuous. But, you know, Love Actually does not have to be set at Christmas. I, I think there's there's very few examples of Christmas films that are fundamentally about Christmas and could not be set at any other time of year. I think the reason that our favourites are set at Christmas is because it carries that extra punch. Hmm. I think so. I mean, and, and obviously cynically, you could say it's a good time to release a movie uh, and, and, you know, get people to buy into it. So, hmm. you know, cynically in terms of a business sense. But I think you're right. I mean, one of the most famous, uh, it's One for Life, and you know, which which goes on for like many years once you start watching it. <laughs> You know, there's this, this so much build-up that, you know, it, it takes a long time to get to the punchline of, of, of Christmas because there's so much set-up. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's set, it's set in the childhood. It's set in the period, another year before, uh, a couple of years before, actually, the, the main event happens. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, that's often seen as kind of the, you know, the umbrella, you know, kind of uh, absolutely kind of great greatest Christmas movie. Yeah. I think there's also a practical level to it. I think... It's also the fact that Christmas is a time when people actually are likely to have more time to um, sit down and watch a, a movie yeah. Yeah. with their family. So I think you know there's some element element there that that is that comes down just to um, the fact that Christmas is a time often when people are brought together in a space and, and have some time available. So mm-hmm. um, so maybe that's just it as well. It's just pragmatics. And kind of thinking about that, do you think that there are any films that have almost been yeah, adopted? By the holidays as a as a sort of a, a christmas film because of that very reason you know because it's just become a family favorite and it just gets shown every year and people just love watching it at christmas time but it's not actually a christmas film well the the, the band of wombats have uh, a song about christmas that has the line in it you know turn off back to the future because it's it's a great movie but it's been on every year so <laughs> you know back i think back to the future for me growing up there were two uh one was a movie called um a Slipper in the Rose, which is a Cinderella mm. s- story, which seemed to be on oh, Christmas Eve that I would be put in front of to watch to keep me on my mother's way. 
and the other one is obviously the wizard of oz which you know was a perennial christmas movie which would appear somewhere at some point of christmas so well that's interesting uh, I, I think so you know l l frank baum who wrote wizard of oz also wrote um a big book about father christmas so you know maybe, right. there's, yeah. maybe there's something in there um well i i, I well these are very these are very weirdly personal i mean the first one less so first one i would say little women ticks a box um although i think that is peripherally a christmas movie because of course famously the the book begins at christmas time and um pretty much all of the adaptations um do a lavish job on the the christmas scenes in little women so i think pretty much any of the versions of, of adaptations of little women tick a tick a, a christmas box and certainly would 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 um play a role in my own christmas the <laughs> this is this is very odd but in the terms of my own personal associations i have a, a very distinct and fond memory of watching um ken burns civil war documentary <laughs> at, at christmas time in the early it 90s gives you that christmas feelings yeah <laughs> which which is therefore it's imbued it with a with a real christmas spirit for me and i think might be part of the reason i've ended up as an americanist who uh, spends his time in the 19th century uh, sometimes writing about christmas so um so, so I think that you know things can pick up associations uh, unexpectedly um, from um, from from their consumption in that period. So I'll put a vote in for Ken Burns' Civil War documentary. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'll add an equally obscure contender into that mix uh, because uh, my my granddad uh, always used to force my uh, mum and her siblings to watch Bridge Over the River Kwai every Christmas Day. All oh, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, it was always on the TV every Christmas, Christmas afternoon, TV. and he'd sit down and watch it. And uh, much to the to the uh, to the annoyance of his his five kids who just wanted to play with their toys. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I suppose yeah, there is that kind of association between a host of Second World War films. I think Great Escape in British culture, anyway, has a a kind of perennial Christmas Day or Boxing Day role. Sound of Music, I suppose, also mm. historic. But I suppose we perhaps we're, we're we're less we're less constrained to the. To, to a limited palette of channels these days. So um, maybe we're less trapped by um, that kind of programming. Do you, do you think maybe we're getting to a point now where um, there's like a, an oversaturation? Because, you know, we've mentioned Hallmark and their mass production of Christmas films was was quite unique for when they, you know, they, they were the sort of the go-to sort of source of, of Christmas movies. You know, but now with all the, the options available to stream content and download content, everyone's kind of jumping on that bandwagon of sort of seasonal viewing. And it feels like even this year, we're starting to see the Christmas content being sort of churned out, you know, whether it be through sort of TV specials like Hannah Waddingham or, you know, the new Eddie Murphy movie. Um, and I think Netflix have just released one with uh, with with Jason Biggs from American Pie and Heather Graham, which has been absolutely slated. Um, <laughs> but, you know, are, are we at are we at the saturation point now for Christmas movies? A peak peak Christmas. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I think it's streaming. These are all things that are linked. I think because because you can watch so many different options. You know, you, you can end up actually if you're very dedicated, avoid Christmas altogether through streaming. <laughs> And I think saturation is kind of a, a way of kind of making sure it gets out there in a world where you can pick and choose between different platforms. Uh, you know, I remember when things were limited, you know, my, my dad would always, you know, Christmas would come, the radio times and the, the TV times, he'd get them, and he'd sit there with a pen and he'd circle all the things he was going to watch over Christmas and then circle it in a different colour, all the things he had to record because he was watching something else at the same time, you know, in the days of VCR. So that always kind of felt Christmassy because it was limited choice. You kind of, it was harder to avoid Christmas, but I think it's 
you could avoid Christmas now altogether. You know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to, you watch a horror channel. I mean, I don't. Maybe you might see Jack Frost on there. I know Jack Frost too. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I suppose there is a whole um, tradition of, of Christmas horror as well. This is a, yeah. a flip side of everything we talked about. I mean, I guess we've gestured to Gremlins, which which treads that treads that line. Yeah. Um, we, I suppose you could argue that kind of reaches back to a nineteenth-century ghost story tradition as well. So yeah. they're not necessarily incompatible. That sense of, um, of 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 horror at Christmas. So um, so that is a, a subplot. I would say. I mean, these things do go in fashions. You know, if you look at the um, the, the the sweep of, of modern Christmas culture, which you could probably say is about 200 years worth of popular culture at this point. You know, there is clearly an ebb and flow about the significance of, of different texts and different different audience um, responses to, to seasonal fare. I mean, if, if you think about Christmas Carol in the American context, I mean, probably its most significant existence in American culture was during um, the late 30s to the early 50s when it was on the radio every year, when Lionel Barrymore was Scrooge. Um, you know, that was a really unifying um, piece of, of popular culture at that point. You know, we don't think of the radio in those terms necessarily, but um, but you know, Lionel Barrymore doing Scrooge, that's it. That is Christmas from the 30s to the early 50s as a, as a unifying American text. So yeah, so I think these things come in come in waves. But if you look at the statistics, you know, in terms of again viewership for Hallmark, let's say, or consumption at Christmas, or that statistic that you know 60% of Americans will will gather together to watch a Christmas film. I think probably we've got a while yet. Of, of Christmas programming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I think you know there is something in that as well that when we are a culture that and I say it's on both sides of the Atlantic and across the world really that that doesn't have that that limited cultural choice that does have you know endless streaming options that does, does have the opportunity to avoid Christmas entirely I think there is something about watching a Christmas movie that is not just unifying within a within your own family necessarily but it may, it feels like you're partaking of a wider cultural spirit and I think probably we don't get that very much anymore outside of sports, maybe. Um, so maybe Christmas is like sports for non-sports fans. That's how I like to think of it. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting analogy. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah, I am. Um, and I, I also, to go back to your point about Christmas horror films, uh, Krampus, very enjoyable Krampus. if you've not seen it. <laughs> it's actually... Uh, we watched it on a bit of a whim a few years ago, my wife and I. But uh, it, yeah, it, if you're looking for something a bit different, um, that's yeah. not just like rom commy and fluffy, then uh, yeah, Krampus, <laughs> go for it. Well, that's a, a good bit of folklore as well that's drawing on. So, uh, you know, that's, mm. that's, that's, that really is in a venerable Christmas tradition. So, and, and, and on that point, actually, about folklore, you know, uh, everything that we see, I mean, Hollywood, let's not forget, is, is a, uh, inherently, it's, it's an American institution. But a lot of the traditions and the values and the the kind of iconography that's peddled in throughout Hollywood Christmas films, they're based on very Western and very American sort of ideas of Christmas, aren't they? So so there's there's this whole world of different sort of traditions and folklores that that we're not really getting in Hollywood Christmas films. Well, I'll, can I, I'll let Tom talk about this mostly, but I mean, obviously the the Christmas tree and and and, and certain uh, Carol saying certain speaks to Victorian um, ideals of, of Christmas, but Tom probably knows more about that than I do. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a tangled web, I think it's fair to say. And I suppose you can really, if you're going to find a rooting place and time for modern Christmases, it's probably Germany in the late 18th century. You know, that's, that's, that's where, in a sense, we import a lot of Christmas traditions from. And then as modern Christmas gets going, in the 
19th century, probably from around the 1830s onwards. Obviously a kind of high point with something like Christmas Carol in 1843, which is as much of a bellwether as it is a kind of, you know, originating text, if you like. It's a really hybrid transatlantic phenomenon where America is importing lots of stuff from Europe and from Britain. And Britain absolutely, you know, is importing um, Americanisms back. So it is a tangled web. So I, I suppose you're right that, you know, the Christmas that we're talking about is a very kind of European-American hybrid um, with high notes from Europe, Britain and America all mixed up together, basically. Uh, and there are there are distinctive elements within all those Christmas cultures, but ultimately they're, they're kind of drawing from the same pools. So, so, yeah, I guess, you know, they are quite limited in that sense. Um, and there are lots of fascinating Christmas traditions, traditions from, from, you know, the rest of Europe, for example, that don't really get caught up into that which you know especially Italy and Spain you know loads of fascinating regional Christmas variations uh, Christmases that look nothing like uh, what we might think yeah. of as a defining Christmas that, that still absolutely are very um, very vibrant and, and and carry on today regardless of whatever Hollywood is is producing so yeah so so I, I guess it's a it's a it's a it's a mixed bag of an answer but um, but it's a really interesting tangled story Interesting, yeah, and and perhaps that's a that's an episode for next Christmas. So uh, you know, traditions that haven't <laughs> translated and made their way over to America. So oh, yeah, watch yes. this space. Yeah, um, okay, yeah but, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, my 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 laptop is clearly not a fan of Christmas because uh, it, my internet is about to have an absolute meltdown, uh, which probably signals <laughs> that we're near the end of this uh, <laughs> this episode. Um, so, but before we go, uh, there is one question we've alluded to it, uh, we've mentioned it, uh, but I need an answer from you. Is Die Hard a Christmas film? Yes, it's a Christmas film. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it's about redemption. It's about reuniting the family. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got yeah. the whole idea of needing help and development as a person. You know, in John McClane and the, I can't remember the, uh, the, the black police officer's name mm. in it. So, yeah. yeah, for me, it's definitely a Christmas movie. And it's set at Christmas as yeah. well. So I, I edit, I co-edit a journal called Comparative American Studies, and we are just about to publish an article uh, written by a guy called Nathan Skoll. And the title of the article is "Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas Movie." Um, so if if you want to read a definitive answer to that question, uh, then uh, that, that will soon soon be available on uh, on Comparative American Studies. But actually, he gives a really interesting history of it because Die Hard is released in July in 1988. And in its first years of, of uh, first moment of release and the first years of its uh, kind of existence, no one mentions Christmas in relation to it at all. Um, so I would I would agree with John. I think yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but it's fascinating how, in a sense, it's become a Christmas movie. Uh, and um, when it was a, a summer blockbuster in 1988, it um, it was definitively not a Christmas movie. But, um, but yeah, so he's, he he gives a great a great answer to that. Um, and I think John's touched on lots of the reasons why. Um, uh, but but I think you know basically it's set at Christmas. You know that's it. That's enough for me. It's a Christmas movie. I'll take that. <laughs> Add some jingle bells it's, it's and some missing, snow it is and missing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is missing a kind of a, a saccharine child at the centre of it, though. So. <laughs> well, also actually, while I'm just just while I've got you, so also in comparative American studies, we've just published another article. Uh, which outlines the way that Home Alone and Die Hard are the same film. So I'll, I'll leave you with that to ponder. That uh, yeah. So um, so there, there's another one to tangle with and uh, another one to check out. This episode of America, a history podcast, was produced, edited, and hosted by me, 
Liam Heffernan. A special thanks to both Tom and John for joining me for this one. And if you don't listen to us until the new year or hopefully until next week, have an amazing holiday uh, and celebrate whatever you celebrate, however you celebrate it in the best way possible. Next time, one last festive treat for you all. I'm joined by Dr. Emma Long as I want to know, what is the war on Christmas? Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.